morning, grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show where we go over a little bit about yesterday's slate, yesterday's uh, kind of kind of crap show of a slate uh, uh, with, uh, with the rain delay, postponement, and one pitcher getting blown up that I had too much of. Uh, we'll talk about that. Look through uh, results DB. Take a take kind of a first look at a 15 game slate for MLB tonight with two doubleheader games thrown in there, I believe. Uh, and and as always, answer your DFS strategy questions. It is the DFS pregame show, so it doesn't have to just be about MLB. Whatever you want, you type it into the YouTube chat. I see you guys in there: Suki Singh, Pug Daddy, Raiders, 0414. Matt Mears, Doug Montgomery card fan, Anthony Golding, Joe Mack, Daniel Hutchins, Shane Newman, Jerome Lewis, Eric Hilpold, Sterling Woods, Brian C. Hit the thummy thumbs. Give me some of those thummy thumbs up, down. It doesn't matter. Sideways, press around, click around your mouse. It doesn't, doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live in the morning. So everyone still giving me congrats on, on my MMA my MMA win. If you want to play MMA DFS, there's a video on the uh, Roto Grinders YouTube channel just posted yesterday. It's the How I Won $117,000 in playing ML- MMA DFS. It goes through my entire process of uh, exactly how I play MMA. So if, if you want to play MMA just like me, go check out that video. Feel free to, to, to get more 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 people in the lobby. If you want to play MMA, we got uh, we got stuff here. We got content at Roto Grinders for premium members. So uh, uh, sign up for Combo Premium. Click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. Uh, Matt Mears says, my lucky streak is continuing. Took down the $44 power alley last night. Yeah, and I also saw like last week, you won the, the 121 single entry on DraftKings. So Matt Mears is on a heater. He's on a heater. Uh, I also saw uh, uh, Raiders uh, 0414 said, yesterday's slate was weird. The Yankees weren't nearly as owned as RG said they were. the The ownership was 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 hard to predict with the 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 Cubs Brewers game, right? Because the Brewers should have been chalked, right? The Brewers should have been the most owned team on the slate. They had the hot they had the highest projection versus their price facing Alec Mills, whose strikeout rate has came down in in Wrigley, where the wind was literally blowing out at you know ten to fifteen miles an hour. The question was, was, were they going to play the game, right? That's what it came down to. Were they going to play the game? And we saw about 15, 20 minutes before that game locked that they were going to start in a rain delay. So I don't know if they're going to get the game in. So it just came to a matter of what your risk tolerance is on whether or not the game plays, which means once that delay gets announced, ownership starts coming off of them. But where does it go? That's that's the question. Like, we, we don't we don't. We don't know. Most probably either the Reds, the White Sox, or the Yankees. Now, it turns out that most of it went to the White Sox and the, the Reds, which, which makes sense. Well, those three teams were the other three. I mean, it's a five-game slate, which if you didn't play the Wrigley game, turned into a four-game slate. And if you already had the, the first game, the Reds game was already locked. So even if you were switching off from there, you didn't, who do you have to choose from? White Sox? Right. White Sox, uh, the, the Yankees, Padres as the favorite teams. Obviously, you could have played, you could have played the Twins, you could play the Marlins, right? You could have done that. 
So it's just gauging where that ownership is going to go. Because also Peralta's ownership goes down with it, a 10.5K pitcher. So now Tyon gets more ownership, right? Now Giolito and Musgrove, their ownership starts going up. People jump, jumping off of Peralta, right? And I think the main reason why the Yankees came in less owned than projected was due to the, when their lineup was announced. Unless you were going to play uh, Velasquez or Tyler Wade or Higgs at catcher, like like most of the be- the best hitters in the Yankees lineups are out first base with Voight and outfielders, Stanton, Judge, and Gallo. Now, you already had Castellanos as like a value. Eloy and Luis Robert, like some of the some of the White Sox, some of the Reds were values enough that, you know, in order to play, you know, a Giolito Musgrove lineup, that type of lineup, like you have to find salary relief somewhere. You're most likely going to be doing it in the outfield spot. So I think just due to the fact that, you know, Wade and Velasquez and the guys at the bottom of the Yankees order are not as, uh, you know, don't project as well or not as enticing. Like it, it severely limits the, the stacking ability that you could do for the Yankees, right? You can play Hig, Higashioka at catcher. You can play Void at first. You can play LeMahieu, who tends to be a little, always, always overpriced uh, at second base. And then you have Velasquez, who's second and shortstop eligible. Wade, well, I don't even know. If, I don't even, I think Wade is, th- I think Wade was third base eligible. I don't know. Is he third base? Did they not even have a third base? Yeah, he was third base eligible. But most people are going to try to jam in Stanton, Gallo, Judge, those type, those types of people into their lineup. So you need you need middle infielders, and the middle infielders for the other teams were much more much more appealing. Farmer and India for the Reds in the middle infield. Then you had uh, with the the White Sox, you had Tim Anderson who was priced up. Uh, even I guess Lurie Garcia, the second base eligible. He had like Cronenworth. I mean, he was, his ownership went up to 24%. You had to find people to fill those spots, right? You look, Eugenio Suarez at third base, 21% owned. If you were getting off of the Wrigley game, you only had four games to choose from and four favorites of those four games to choose from. So you're, you're, that's where you're going, right? Moncada comes up. So that's why we see here, the White Sox and the Reds, right? Because, People had the Reds to begin with, right? And that game locked. So once the regular game gets started in a delay, you have to decide what's the chance. We can see here with the, uh, the like the Narvaez ownership, like Royal Pain 21, Rinpak, Bro, Broranosaurus Flex, like 0%. Like, seems like these, these players, it was split. It wasn't, the, some sharp players just X'd out that game and some sharp players just, I'm going to build, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build lineups. I'm going to take a shot. Uh, so we see here a, a, a nice mix of that. It was up to you what, what your risk tolerance was. I played eight lineups last night. Uh, I played two lineups with the Brewers and one lineup with the Cubs in it uh, as a stack, but I didn't play any of them as a one-off or anything, right? I played Peralta in one lineup also. I Castillo in four lineups, and that, that didn't go well. I'm surprised. I, I, only lost, I only lost 36% last night. It was amazing. I should have lost it all, I guess. I had enough White Sox because I was I was playing more White Sox than, than, I mean, the White Sox ended up coming in as like really the chalk, but I ended up playing in three lineups and I had, you know, Tim Anderson and Eloy Jimenez 
in those lineups and Musgrove and Giolito. So I was able to, you know, cash inside in, in, in like half my lineups. So th- that worked out because my Castillo lineups had like Milwaukee. So it's like the lineup was already dead and now it's just deader. Right. I think I, I, I the Peralta lineup had, had Milwaukee. Like I tried to keep them all together. Right. So if, 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 if the lineup's going to die, it's just going to, it's going to go way down. It's just going to be dead, dead. I mean, that's what you could do in lineup HQ here on Roto Grinders. The only in stacks button is your friend. So if I, if I was making a hundred lineups yesterday, which I wasn't uh, typically on the short slate side, you know, I typically don't want to put that much volume down. So I'll play the smaller field stuff and the $88, you know, mid stakes, the 121 single entry, you know, the 250, whatever, whatever the hell it is on DraftKings. Uh, but if I was making a hundred lineups, I would, you know, that whole game, Milwaukee, Chicago, I would have just had OI, the OIS button on all the hitters and just like they're in stacks. And if that game gets postponed, uh, it's not, you know, I don't have zeros mixed into, you know, 80 out of my hundred lineups, right? It's I could I could play four, I could play 20 lineups of this game. And then if that, and then just throw them out, if all of them thrown out all at once. That's what most, but that's what most sharp players do. I mean, and, but we could see here that plenty, plenty tried to play the game. Take a look at like Eduardo Escobar. I mean, it's not, not heavily. I mean, but look at the ownerships of these, of these, uh, the Brewers. Narvaez 16, a catcher, because catcher was weak. All right, we go down here. Rowdy Tellez 11, at Escobar 11, Yelich 10, Wong 10. And we're in, it's a five game slate. Garcia nine, Adamas nine. If that game, there was no question that that game was going to play, these these ownership numbers would have been double, if not more than double. Yelich would have been 22. Uh, Adamas would have been 20. Escobar would have been 18. Tellers would have been 24. So I viewed it as an opportunity. If people are going to jump off, I'm I'm, going to get the highest ceiling projected team, at least in the bat for twice as less ownership than they should be. But it's a fit, but and then you have to weigh in the fact that it's a 50-50 chance that the game even plays. So hopefully it does. And then in those lineups, like I didn't mind playing Musgrove. Like the main key on this slate was the chalk, like Musgrove was going to be the chalk as pitcher. And obviously the chalk, all they, they, it succeeded yesterday. Musgrove plus Giolito. I played a bunch of Carlos Hernandez against uh, the the Yankees, because in my in my White Sox lineups I would play Hernandez. So fading, you know, I want the Yankees to do poorly in those types of lineups. I played Castillo because I didn't think people were going to go up to him. But the, and, and then uh, Castillo made more sense than Peralta because, like, if the game would have played, I think Peralta would have been more owned than Castillo. And with, with Castillo locking early, I'm like, I'll just lock in a 21 percent owned pitcher. And uh, and yeah, that didn't work out. Minus eleven for Rhinosaurus Flex, forty-two percent. Neil Orfield, thirty percent. RBX had two, right? Royal Payne at zero, but they were going very heavy on it on the Musgrove Giolito pitching combination, which worked out. Then we have uh, Neil Orfield went way under on Musgrove. That's more more of what I did. So played Peralta, played Castillo, right? Didn't work out. Where did, where did Hernandez come in? Uh, Carl, uh, Carlos Hernandez. Where is he? Right? 
Right. We have we have some some star players over on Carlos Hernandez. So it's playing a lot of those types of lineups. Castillo plus Hernandez plus the Brewers. Right. Well, it turns out that with the Brewers' ownership going down, then I don't mind playing Musgrove in those lineups. Did I did I change it? I don't I don't think I changed any of them. That would have been a consideration. And I did play. I did play. I did play a Marlins lineup. I did play Lewis Brinson, who had a home run, but it didn't matter in that lineup. I think. I think I, I played a Brewers Marlins lineup, so it, his home run didn't matter. His home run didn't even matter for first place, right? He was a two K guy. My first place was a was a four four two one one. Which for a four-game slate, which it turned into a four-game slate, is, is perfectly fine. So it's Cleveland, Cleveland four, White Sox two, Cronenworth and Wilson Rom. Oh no, Wilson Rom and DJ LeMay with Gilito and Musgrove. Because remember, on the smaller slates, you don't have five three. You don't have to, you don't have to correlate to that extent, because there's less likely that you know one team puts up a billion points or something, and you need. You know, four or five of them. So here with the second place line. Well, it's the almost it's the same score, but a different line. Kind of weird, right? It looks like a three v three or four v four. What is this? Stevenson, India, Straw. Right. Instead of Robert, Ramos, and Cronenworth. That's what it looks like. A three v three. Same exact score, two, 223.1. You really need, you really need like, you needed Jose Ramirez, you needed Eloy Jimenez, and you needed Giolito and Musgrove. And I think you, you probably, you didn't even, no, you didn't need Ramos, even though he was like, I think the only catcher that hit a home run, but I got enough points. Did you need Bradley Zimmer at 2K? Now you could have, you could have had Lewis Brimson instead of Bradley Zimmer. The problem is you did, none of the other Marlins really did anything worth a crap. Yeah, Ahmed Rosario at, at shortstop. Yeah, twenty five points. Yeah, you're gonna need him. Let's see. Yeah, you, yeah, you need you needed the. You kind of needed the Indians yesterday because they were cheap and they put up what nine runs. So there you go. Adam Pantano, have you thought about applying your MMA strategy to tennis slate since it's a similar concept of picking six players? No captains, and you could use breaks and aces compared to finishing early. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. I, I, the the model, if you want to call it a model that I showed yesterday, and uh, and on that video, so you, it's on the Roto Runners YouTube channel. You could watch it. It's a 54, 55 minute video. It's all there. Uh, that type that type of mentality where you're not where you're not even concerned. You're not even concerned about projecting like like a range of outcomes of like an actual like DFS score, right? I'm not like doing MMA. I'm like, uh, his median is 65. Sometimes he scores 110. Sometimes he scores 17 and figuring out like the distribution of that. Like I'm not doing that. I'm just going straight, straightly by the betting lines on the most correlative metrics. But that's the problem with tennis. It's like, like, do you have to pick the win? The, so basically winners, breaks and aces, like, you would have to, you, what you would have to do is back test it. You'd have, you'd have to look at the betting lines and I, I don't know the tennis betting lines. Okay. So I'd, I may be speaking out of who knows, uh, 
what the betting lines are in comparison to the, the, to the, the DraftKings score. So what you want to do is you want to take the players, all the tennis players, get the, get the lines for all of, for, for, for those, for those things, breaks, aces, whatever, uh, and the wins and whatever, whatever, whatever it is, whatever you can bet on in tennis. And then go by those probabilities and then compare them to the actuals. So you want to go back as far as, as, as tennis has been on drafting. So a year, a year or so, a little over a year, something like that. You get all that data and then you plot it. Well, this, this guy was, uh, you know, just like an MMA. This guy was a, you know, a, a 58% chance of finishing in, inside the distance. What was his score? Right. It was, this was his score. And you go through the, all the whole thing. The ones that have the higher ones, do they have the higher, what you want to correlate it to in MMA, 90 plus or 100 plus scoring. So you don't even care about the act. You just like, did it get at least 90 points? You don't care if it was 67 or 52 or 84, just, just 90 plus. And that's it. So whatever that is for tennis, you could do the same thing. Because you, you, need, you need to know what the correlation of those, those betting lines are to those types of scores. So you know how much to weight them. Like I said yesterday with MMA, it's like, yeah, round one finishing is, is insanely highly correlated because you get 90 points for a first round finish, right? So most, most likely your, your fighter, you, you, it's going to be in the top line. Inside the distance, not as much, but still extremely high. And then the win is not that much. So you, you want to know that, that, you know, that ratio at least estimated, right? There's some, some, some type of thing. So it may, maybe in tennis, there isn't, there, there isn't a betting line that, is, that has that high of an R. Like the round one finishing for a 90 plus point score is a one, right? It's like perfect, right? For a 100 plus point score, it's like 0.9 something, 0.92, 0 0.94, which is, I mean, ridiculously high. Like you won't find that, you don't, you don't see that. In, in most DFS sports of a, of a metric that has a 0.9 plus correlation coefficient inside the distance is like 0.65 or something, which is still really, really high for the grand scheme of things. And then the win is like 0.2, right? Because, you know, people win all the time and don't score hundred points. So you need to know that for tenths. And maybe there isn't ones that have that high of an R. And then you can't use utilize that that much. But if you if if it is if it is that correlative, then then you then you could you could make a little Excel spreadsheet. You could do the same exact thing and do it for tennis. It's it's much it's 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 much easier. It's much more straightforward in individualized type sports like MMA or golf or tennis, where you don't there's no correlation between one tennis player to another tennis player in another match. Like it doesn't matter. You just it's just it's just six people. Right. And it's very binary, especially in tennis. One person wins and one person loses. And that's it. Golf, it's not as binary, but it's, it's still, you could look at top five odds. You could look at top 10 odds. You don't have to even look at like what type of golfer they are. You could do it in PGA. The problem in PGA is that like that's, that's what most models do. Right. So it's like you're not going to find really inefficient ownership typically the typically the high owned golfers are the ones that have higher top five top 10 top 20 
or win betting lines than their price, than their ownership. I mean, like, and they end up being owned. So you look and you go, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to divide it by the ownership and see where the leverage is. And you're going to find that, uh, yeah, the, the, the best plays are over-owned, but there's a lot of plays aren't under-owned. <laughs> a lot of, you still, guys that have a 0.5% chance of, of, of getting in the top five, they're like 0.5% owns. I mean, like they're not zero. Owned. I mean, so you see, it's much more efficient in PGA. So that's what I tried doing for PGA. I mean, that's, that's how I played PGA, but finding inefficient golfers at their ownership. Yeah. I can find over owned people. It's just, it's hard to find under owned. Right. The guy that's 26% owned should really only be 19% owned and still should be high owned. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to play that guy. And then who do I play? Most of, most of the players that are that have a shot at winning are actually all over. And then you have 20 golfers, 20, 30 golfers at the bottom that almost have no shot at winning at all. They're on their own, but they, they what am I going to play? 4.1% on golfers in my lineup? One of these guys may get in the top 20, but not, not, they're not winning. Oh, let's see. Samuel Shannon, any idea why Chipotle Attic and Papa Gates aren't playing MLB? I have no idea. Good for us. They're not not playing DFS because I, I, I saw Papa Gates in, in MMA. That's good for us. Who cares? They got other stuff going on. That's, that's fine with me. They've had a very bad, when, when they started playing, they've had a very bad MLB season. They played, they played the first three, but I saw, I saw their lineups the first, you know, three months. Not, not many, not many times towards the top. I mean, we, we've, we've been doing the show. I typically put up, uh, you know, results DB. And I also, I look at results DB every day. I mean, this is what I do in the morning, right? You're watching what I do, but yeah, they, 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 they must've been a big, big downswing in, in MLB. And I think in NBA, I don't even remember it. Cause I, I well, I didn't play like the last month and a half of NBA, but still like coming out of February, March, I didn't, I didn't really even see much out of either of them. Maybe a downswing. Maybe they're going on vacation. Who knows? They're not, they're still playing DFS, just not MLB. Chris Galligan, or am I going to buy any DraftKings NFTs? No. I, I own no non-fungible tokens and uh, no Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency. So no, I don't own any Ethereum or Bitcoin or, or Dogecoin or you name, you know, I don't have any, any penguin avatars or apes or any of that. I got none of it. So, you know, you know, you know what I got, you know what I got with my money? You know, you know what that the $117,000 is going into? It's, 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 it's going, in, it's going to my stock portfolio, right? Just give that, give that to my, you know, yeah, I fill I fill up my IRA, right? So that I can only do six thousand a year on that, right? And then the rest goes in, you know, I have eighty percent of my money in a in a taxable trading account. And you know what I do? I don't trade that much. I put it in. And I go give me give me the S and P five hundred, right? Give me give me the S and P, right? I I had I got I got some drafting stock, right? I got some I got some some riskier investments. But that's what I do. I don't bet NFT. I'm not buying buying gifts and JPGs that, 
You don't even own the gig. You know, you well, you you sort of own it. You don't. Whatever. I understand exactly what it is. I think it's stupid. Uh, not stupid from like, oh, I don't understand the technology. I understand the technology completely. I just think it's an absurdly stupid investment. And my 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 thing is, see, in twenty years, twenty years, we'll be looking at that, going, I can't believe people people lost a billion dollars doing that, right? In twenty years, I'm perfectly fine with uh, with a uh, with a seven percent annualized return. That's perfectly fine. I don't need all the money. I could put, I could, I could take all this money, put it into somewhere and get 7% return. Give it to me. That's fine. Done. And it compounds right year over year over year. And then my IRA 59 and a half, I could start taking it out. Right. Great. What's wrong with that? I play the law. I play the long game. Kevin TG. If you're building hundred to 150 lineups in a large field GPP for MLB. Is it okay if the last lineup in the build is 20 to 30 points off the top build or the lineups basically have no shot? They have less of a shot. The problem with the optimizers, and they all work this way, is that the more constraints that you give it, though it's going to try to adhere to all of your constraints. So if you only want 10% of this guy and 20% of that guy and this thing, it's going to try to do all of that in 100 and 150 lineups, but that may, like the last couple of lineups in your build may be really poorly projected because it's trying to fit in like, oh, you want 5% of this guy that doesn't project well. I'm going to try to give 5% of him to you. I'm going to try to do these stacks in exactly these ways that you want. And in order to fit all of these, these variables up here, sometimes it ends up with, you know, two, three lineups at the bottom that are just like, like, well, that's, uh, I, I, I throw a bunch of stuff together and that's, and that's what's there. Now, I don't mind, you know, especially for efficiency standpoint that I end up with those. But the, I call it the cost of doing business. So if I'm playing 150 lineups, I think, I think today, uh, tonight I'm playing 120, right? It's 100 in the, the, the main $11 or whatever on DraftKings and 20 in the 20 max. And I build all the uniques, right? So 120. So depending on my, my time that I have and when the lineups come out, you know, you know, there may be rain issues, who knows? It may be that the last 10 lineups in my build may just not really be that very good lineups. They may be minus EV lineups, but in order to get 110 lineups that are really plus EV, I may have to sacrifice and just have 10 that on the bottom that aren't very good, right? Because it's trying to do all of this stuff and then kind of giving me the rest at the bottom. Now, if I have the time, I will start pruning them, right? I will look into, you know, why am I getting, you know, you know, three of these lineups on the bottom project poorly because it's, it's jamming in the stack that doesn't project well, but it's not giving me like the chalk with it, right? Because I've already used up all my percentage, my minute, my exposure of the chalk of your players. So I try to fix that, right? And then run it again. Or sometimes if I'm playing 120 lineups, I'll build 150 lineups. I'll build 30 more than what I need. Knowing that the bottom 10 or so are probably not going to be all that great. So then I could start pruning them. And that, that's, that's another way to do it. Or you can build your, you can build your own optimizer and try to fix it yourself. But all, 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 Optimizers, not only lineup HQ in the industry, have 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 some some amount of clumping issues. 
one way to help out in lineup HQ is to do it with using running exposure percentages, right? Because like yesterday, it's like, oh, I only want 50% Musgrove. And you could say, okay, that's what I want. And it'll, but it's going to want Musgrove in like all the first line. Like it's the highest rejected pitcher by far. So if you're building 100 lineups, it's going to, the first like 50 are going to be Musgrove lineups. And then the next 50 aren't going to be Musgrove lineups. So it's going to clump like that. If you use running exposure percentages, that means it's the optimizer is going to take into account, you want 50% of Musgrove, right? So after the first lineup gets generated, you now have 100% Musgrove. So it goes, well, I, it should only be 50%. So in your next lineup, it will be a non-Musgrove lineup. And then after the second lineup, how much Musgrove do you have? You have 50%. You have one with him and one without him. So the next lineup is going to be a Musgrove lineup. And then now the fourth lineup gets generated. It's going to go, how much Musgrove do you have? Well, you have him in two out of three lineups. That's 66.7%. Well, based on the minimum, the maximum exposure that you put in is 50. So it's going to go, okay, I need to give you a non-Musgrove lineup next. Right? So that's what running exposure percentages do. So if you, if you want to try to smooth out those clumps, that, this is what I would use. Try to use this more. But the more and more you constrain it, sometimes this doesn't, sometimes you get an error with this. Or sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't build enough lineups. Like when you get really squeezed down, when you give it like no slack, right? I want, I want, uh, I want five unique players. I only want 2% of this guy. Like you really narrow, you're playing 14 stacks at 2%. I mean, like, like it's hard, it's hard to do that. Right, it gets to a point and just goes, I, I don't know. So you try to make 150 and it quits after 70. But that's primarily because you're putting way too many constraints on it. You have to give it a little, a little bit more leeway. Instead of 14 stacks with 2%, do, do 14 stacks with 4%, knowing that some you'll get four and some you'll get one, right? Like it's just giving it a little bit more leeway or the minimum salary. Like it needs to spend exactly 50K. Like, Dude, you're limiting it way too much. How about, how about 49.7? Is that good enough for you? Right? Or you look, or you look at your, your pitching exposure, knowing that, you know, I'm playing four pitchers at 50% each. It's like, well, there's no leeway anymore. Right? You have to play two pitchers. So you're saying that up until the exact maximum, like you have to give it some leeway. So if you have four pitchers, instead of four pitchers at 50%, say four, you put the max exposure at 60%. So at least it allows it to go up to 60 and some pitchers may be 60 and some pitchers may be 40 out of the four. But you give it leeway to have the salary and fit everything else in. But once you constrain it so hard, like that's when you, oh, I tried to build 150 lineups and it only gave me 112. And then you go to support and you don't realize that that's as many as it can make with your, your constraints. Like mathematically, that's what it should be doing. Right? Going in the YouTube chat. Do, 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 do. Let's see. Brett Narlock, do you target an aggregate amount of projected ownership? Well, it depends on the slate. Depends on what the optimal lineup is. I you could go to past pregame shows. I've showed I've showed that numerous, probably double digits amounts of time. Brandy Barrington headed to my first live final. Ooh. Any tips or strategy used versus all these top players? You're not going to like it. You're not, you're not going to like my strategy. 
You're not, you're, you're not going to like it, Brandy. Uh, take risks. Okay, that, that, that's what I would say. It's especially, especially if this, if this is, if you want to take it off of a quali one qualifier and you're not very invested, that's what I would suggest. But that's how I play small field GPPs. I mean, play it like you would play a small field GPP. Just understand that in a live final, typically there's what, 100 entries, 200 entries, something like that. Uh, a lot of the top players spend a lot of money to qualify for that. A lot of money, right? Sometimes someone could come in fourth, third, fourth place and lose money on all the money they've spent to qualify, okay? So depending on how much some of these players, now a lot of the top players aren't even affected by it. It's part of their bankroll. But just like most small field GPPs, people play too safe. People play too safe. So the chalk is going to be chalky. And the under-owned players are going to be even more under-owned. So what I would suggest, you have to be willing to do it. You have to be willing to come in last place. But especially, you're not going to be, you're not going to beat the top players just based on projection. Like that's not, that's not going to, they, they have better projections than you, right? Even if you're doing it, they, they, they're going to get, they're going to get the best plays. They're going to find the best route for, you know, who's undervalued, right? What's the, the top median lineup? type of thing and they'll stack or whatever if it's mlb what you should be doing is exploiting that so if there's going to be a if it's going to be a large slate does it mean you stack against the chalky pitcher no you don't have to you don't get that nuts but typically the live final they they, they play on bigger slates right 12 plus games something they're not gonna have a four game slate for a live final so my my tip is to go off the board Oh, everyone's going to be play, probably be playing. The chalk is going to be one of these three teams and this pitcher. We'll play the fourth team in a different pitcher. Play against that. Don't, don't play what everyone else is playing. But obviously, you have to embrace the fact that if the, if the chalk hits, you lose. That's it. You lost. Typically, in the live final, you still get money, right? Typically, last place still plays like 5,000 or whatever the hell it is. But that's what I would do. And also understand that the more of a skill gap that you have with your opponents, the more you should be embracing variance. Okay. So for instance, let's 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 have an let's give an example of a contest where you'd be completely outmatched. Let's say it's uh it's it's me versus LeBron James in a game of one-on-one -on -one basketball. Okay. It's me versus LeBron James. Uh, what I should what I should be doing, if if, Le, if LeBron is going to allow me to uh, shoot three pointers, which I I'm, I'm horrible at, right? I'm, I don't play basketball well. I should I should be doing I should be doing that. It's high bet, right? It, most likely, I'm going to be shooting three pointers and missing, and then LeBron's going to get it back and just jam it in, jam it in the hoop, right? And do that over and over and over and, and over again. But should my strategy be to try to drive the lane against LeBron? No, no, that's never going to work. I'm five foot ten, right? Do you think I'm going to I'm going to be able to lay the lay the ball, barely dribble and go? No, I, I. That's what he'll do, right? He doesn't have to rely on three point. Right, his three point percentage is forty percent. Him driving the lane 
is a much higher percentage and it's going to be much more successful. So because he has the, he, he has the skill advantage, he shouldn't be doing the high variance things. Taking a, a three-point shot from, from 22 feet out and then possibly not being able to get the rebound because maybe I think it hits the rim somewhere and I'm uh, now I get possession. So LeBron, he shouldn't be taking three-pointers. I should be. He's like, well, you're horrible at taking three-pointers. Yeah, but what other shot do I have to win this? I'm so low to win this to begin with. Right, imagine, imagine if you're playing, it's the same scenario, but it's a, it's a game till 11, right? It's a, it's a, you're playing a game to 21 or something with twos and threes. I get the ball first, and LeBron is spotting me 19 points, which means if I just get a two, if I get a two-pointer, like I win. I probably still should be taking a three-pointer if if LeBron is not going to guard me. Right. If I if I know that any two point, any 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 shot inside the arc, I'm gonna I'm gonna get defended by a guy that's a foot more than a foot taller than me. Obviously, he's a professional basketball player. But once I go to the once I go behind the arc, I get I get an absolutely clear shot. Even though my three point shooting probably is eight percent, maybe if maybe maybe not even that. So what should I do? Well, if I if I try to make a two pointer, I try to drive the lane for a higher percentage. Maybe I can make layups at a you know I can make layups at a ninety plus percent rate. Yeah, sure, okay. But once LeBron gets the ball back, am I ever getting it back? Right, because remember, you know, it's it's you know, if you get a basket, you get the ball back, right? That type of game. So what should I do if I have if I have the ball first? I should take a three pointer. The likelihood of me getting it in, let's say I have an eight percent three point shooting rate. In this game, if I just, if I make it, I win. So I have an 8% shot of winning, winning, winning the match. 92% shot, LeBron gets the ball back and I never see it again. But is it better than trying to, like, if if I try to take a two-pointer, like that, I may have no success. Right? So I'd rather take, I'd rather go the high variance route. So this whole thing shows that when, when you have the skill disadvantage, you want the you want smaller sample sizes. You want smaller stuff that relies more on luck, right? If you if you if you're a bad college football team, right? You want as as few plays in the game as possible. If you're the good college football team. You want to you want to slow the game down, right? You want as many plays. For your opponent to make a mistake as possible. Keep the ball as much as possible. So that applies to DFS too. So if you're playing a contest where the skill gap between, you believe at least, the skill gap between you and your opponents are that high, you want to rely on luck. You don't want to rely on having to uh, do a 2v2, right, between all these teams. No, you want to pick some nutso lineup and hope to get lucky. That's a better shot at you trying to get a 2v2 on 50 other players. Your lineups all look the same other than a 2v. Like why? Over the long run, you're not going to beat those guys out. Let's see. Going through, going through. Let's see. Michael Dompier. 
Milwaukee is projecting better than normal for a seven inning game this evening. I normally would just X them out on a 15 game slate. What are your thoughts since they project fine? Uh, I, I would pretty, pretty much X them out also. If they beat me, they beat me. I would never play it as a stack. Never. Maybe a one-off. Fine. Is there someone that's a one-off that could get a home run or something? But once you're reducing the amount of, you're reducing the ceiling. They may project, some of the batters may project decently because they're cheap from a median perspective, but you're dramatically decreasing the ceiling when you remove a plate appearance. Like you're guaranteed, unless it goes into extras or something to, especially the home team. Right, Milwaukee's not the home team, but if it was the home team, they only have six innings worth of plate appearances. But it's a 15-game slate. You have, 40, you have 14 other games to choose from, 13 other games to choose from. Yes, the, you have to weigh that against your ownership. That Absolutely. It still applies. They're going to be 0.1% owned. Maybe, maybe, maybe it can be. Maybe it can be plus EV. Maybe it can do it. You better hope that no other team on the slate puts up a lot of points. I mean, because... Some of these guys may, may only get, they may get max three at-bats, max. Yeah, most of the time when you're stacking, you're looking for five, six, seven at-bats. I mean, the team scores 12, 14 runs, which I guess could happen in seven innings, I guess. I just, I just think as a general rule, if you always X out those games, I don't think you're giving up anything. On a slate that size, if this was a four-game slate, that's a different story. On a 15-game slate, I don't think you're missing out. I think if your default was to X them out, you're fine. Yet in certain situations, maybe some of these stacks, maybe three mans, maybe uh, one-offs could be plus EV in certain lineups. And you can find them. If you want to take the time to find them for today's slate, go right ahead. But it's going to take you time. You're going to have to figure that out. So do you want to spend that time doing that? Or spend the time not doing that and doing something more important, X them out and just say, hey, the Brewers score 14 runs today and a couple of people have them and I lose, then so be it. But if I, if I just X'd out the seven inning games every, t- every time, I'm still profitable. So like, what does it matter? So you have to, you have to think of that. It's not a matter of can it have. Yes, of course. You can play Milwaukee line. You can play lineups that have a Milwaukee player in it, depending on the lineup that it's in. But do you want to deal with that? No, I don't. I, I have better things to do. There's, there's, other, there's other teams on the slate. Am I willing to put in the 11? If I, am I willing to invest $11 in that lineup or $11 in another lineup that I know is plus EV, right? Rather than rely on a, a ceiling of, of them getting five at-bats in seven innings and hitting three home runs or something. No, I'm not losing money by not playing. Uh, Andrew Garcia, could you explain how you got your rating in your MMA model? It's a weight of the win odds, the first round odds, uh, the inside the distance odds, and the projection, the median projection versus the ownership. Now, what weights are they? That depends on the slate. So those weights will change depending on the size of the slate, the makeup of the slate. And what those weights are for the makeup of the slate there's a, re- there's a reason why I didn't mention and I didn't show you that for me because then you'd be able to, to make the exact model that I have. So you could make a model very close. You could make, if you watch that video, it's not, any, it's, not, it's not advanced anything. I'm literally just taking the odds and dividing it by the ownership to get those leverage scores and getting the median projection. 
like from, from RG, from something like that. So you can get all of that information. You can make those, all, of the, all of the numbers in that spreadsheet, you can make easily yourself, other than the rating. And the formula for the rating is not complicated either. It's just, it's a weight of all those figures. You're multiplying by something, a multiply, right? By something. Am I waiting the win? I'm waiting the win two. I'm waiting the inside the distance four, round one six, right? The projection this, what those weights are to get a rating and dividing so it looks like it's one, right? Just so I get something to look at, right? Where the middle is one. That, that's what it is. Now, can you, are you going to come close to mine? Probably, but I'm saying if, if, if I gave you that exact formula I was using for a slate, you'd build the exact lineups that I have. Right. I don't want that. You can build similar lineups. I guess I, there's, there's, there's the formula. I mean, I do that for MLB here. I do it for anything. I mean, I'm transparent. This is, this is how you think in terms of DFS with a game theory driven approach. But it doesn't mean that, Oh, if I'm going to play Logan Gilbert today, am I going to stack against this guy or whatever? Like there's so many more, you can do a million different things in baseball and MMA. You have to worry so much about duplication, right? So if my numbers in my, in my, if my rating for a guy is, is, is 1.68 and you put in your weights on what you think the weight should be and it comes in at 1.74, we're still both going to be over on the guy. We're probably both going to have that fighter in a lot of lineups. But based on those exact numbers, the, we may not have the same exact line. We'd be less likely to be duplicated. So I don't want to give people, it's like, okay, here, plug this in, run 160 line, you know, set some exposures or something like that. What will end up happening is that now, now, now I have to factor in people are using the, my exact methodology to duplicate me. Well, then that, that I, don't, I don't want that. Yes, you're more likely to build lineups that are closer to mine. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that is true. That is going to happen. But I don't want to be able to put in 100 lineups and say, oh, someone can just press 100 and build the same as 100 lineups. No, I don't want that. Okay, Samuel Shannon. I'm just answering anything that's in the chat. What does it matter? Where did you grind most of your poker career? Do you still play for side income? Louisville and New York are tough locations for poker players. Uh, well, I played in underground rooms in, in New York City. But that was, that was 2003 to 2008, right? I don't, play, I, don't, I don't play poker much anymore. And I never, I played online, but not seriously online. I played online a bunch, right? but mostly live. I played in Atlantic City, played at the Turning Stone in upstate New York. You know, Las Vegas, yeah, I would go with the, the World Series of Poker, you know, stuff like that. But mostly underground, you know, private games, you know, underground clubs. You know, I ran a game. But New York isn't a tough location at all. The games in New York are great. Not as good as the games in Los Angeles, but... Uh, they're still good. Let's see. Eric Hillpole, chalk pitchers, large field versus small field, one max versus three max. Thoughts. What I don't what is that supposed to mean? What's the meaning of life? Thoughts. Like what it depends on the, the lineup. Let's see. Going through. Let's see what Daniel says. I'm less likely to play a game that's only seven innings, but I'll still play them some amount in a large GPP. Same principle for a low projected team total in a normal nine inning game. Yeah, I agree with that. 
Like, depending on the ownership, you could play anything. Let's see. Do, do, do. And yes, yes. A lot of times you could build a, two different builds for if you're going to play the game or you don't play the game. You could do that. I've done that before. I've done that in, I do that in football for an injury. A lot of times I'm building my lineups the day before, like the night before. Like, well, we'll go, we'll go into a, a Sunday where at 1130, we're going to figure out if this guy's active or not. And I don't want to, I don't want to take a, a, the 90 minutes up until lock. I want to have my lineups ready to go before then. So we saw that like last year, like Julio Jones. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? It dramatically affects your lineups. So if I'm building a what, however many lineups I'm playing, 120 lineups, whatever, I'll make, I make 120 set as if Julio's in. I make 120 set as if Julio's out. Then at, at 1130, you go, Julio Jones will play today. Okay, well, now I know. There you go. Those are my lineups. Jason Canales asks, how do you build two sets? You just build two sets. What's so, what's so complicated? Here you go. Here's a set. Like, this is what you do on the screen. Look, I'm going to build a set of whatever. Okay, okay. You build that, right? You know, you finish that. That comes up as build one. Then you go back to the player pool and you go, well, what happens if this guy is out? And you take that guy out and then you build, and there you go. Build two. You can even rename, right? The build one is, is, with with the guy right with, with the guy and build two you can rename to be without the guy right you can, I mean, there you go and then if you could export either see whatever one whatever one you want not complicated today the guy i guess is jay hap best point per dollar pull picture according to the bat right now that's always exciting, right? <laughs> right? When, when you have J.A. Happ in your lineups against the Pirates, can you do that badly? Either you're playing Happ against the Pirates or you're playing the Pirates against Happ, probably. Something like that. Let's see. Uh, any other questions? I'm just scrolling through. This is what I do, right? Answer your questions on YouTube. Uh, yeah, everyone's explaining, right? Norm Bothwell's explaining everything. But yeah, I think the, I think the problem is I think what you're seeing with Milwaukee is you look at the ceiling projections like Milwaukee. Well, that no, that's a 220 game. Like here, here's Milwaukee. Milwaukee at 805. If Alec Mills is the pitcher, right? Like their ceiling is 88, but it's only a seven inning game. Unless, unless Cardi hasn't updated it for that. Maybe that could be the case. That could easily be the case that, you know, Cardi has not updated the inning count of that game. I think that's more likely. It's typically, the, typically the seven inning games do not project very well. Because look, the Cubs down here are low. They're low, but where are the Brewers? But it's also because I think they're still expecting like 15 mile an hour wind blowing out, that type of thing. So like 
from a ceiling perspective, like 88 is not, is not that bad for a seven inning game. But that's the problem is that typically we don't see the seven inning games that they're always down here. All right. We always see the look angels, Cubs. It may just be a bug. Right? We may reload this an hour from now. And then Cardi looks at that and goes, yeah. Oh yeah. Did I have to adjust the Brewers for a seven inning game for that game. And then the Brewers go down to here. You don't have to worry about it anymore. But yeah, you're right. It is weird that a team that's playing a seven inning game projects from a ceiling perspective, like better than like two thirds of the two thirds of the stacks on the slip. Yeah, it is weird. Joe Clary on the player pool page, the lineup HQ. How can I search by player name? Oh, you just click the magnifying glass here. Boink. Ah, right there you go. There used to be like a little search box here or whatever, but we have, uh, we, we have so much stuff to conserve space. So yeah, whenever you see a magnifying glass as part of a, a user interface, that, that means search. You can just go near there and you can leave it down. You can, I mean, you can search for anything you want. Lineup HQ, which you can get with the Roto-Grinders premium subscription. Click on the link in the description to get $10 off your first month. Kingsley Gaw, Blender, could you post a downloadable version of your Excel MMM algebra? Yeah, but you still have to populate it. You could do it. Just do it. If you're not, this, this, is, my, this, is, my, this is my attitude when, it, when I posted that. I showed, I, I even said in the video, this is easy to do. You can make this yourself. This is not, there's no complicated nothing. I'm literally taking the betting lines from the sports books themselves, manually putting it in. I'm not, I'm not scraping it even. I'm literally have a browser open and I'm manually going, okay, plus this, whatever. I'm converting that into a percentage. You could probably find a, there's a formula for that. There's, you know, the, what American odds to a percentage is, right? You could even Google what the formula is for that, right? You could even find that if you don't know how to do it mathematically yourself, right? And then I'm taking the ownership number, which is, you could find on RG or on any site or whatever. You can make your own number, who knows? And then you divide the two. And then, then you go, and they, those, those are the, for, for those three things. And then get the projection and divide that. And then you get, you get that number. I mean, this is not, this is not complicated. And my, and my attitude is, is if, if I'm going to show something that I have, I proprietarily do, which is not complicated, if you're not willing to go and do that yourself in Google Sheets or Microsoft Excel, then what, what, what the hell? So complicated. You don't even have to have the sheet. Just the, con the concept, the whole thing just applies to the same concept. This fighter is X inside the distance. He's going to be Y owned. Is that higher or low? Oh, he's 32% inside the distance. Only going to be 12% owned. I'm going to play a lot of that guy. This guy is 17% inside the distance. It's going to be 35% owned. I'm going to be less of that guy. I mean, you don't even need an, you don't need Excel for that. It goes by that same concept. So if you, if you want to make, I mean, you have every right to make it yourself. There are several people that I know that have literally just made that. 
Took them 10 minutes. But I don't know what sell that well, then learn it. There's no reason I, I, should, I should have to share that where you're going to still have to put in everything manually yourself anyway. It's not like you could share a link and be like, oh, well, here it is. And, this, and it automatically gets in all the information from every. No, you have to, you have to you manually do it. If you're going to already have to do it manually that way, you might as well just make it yourself. Was that a bad answer? If you're not willing to do the work, it's not hard work. If, if this was like an algorithm, if this was like some fancy thing that I spent six, you know, if this was Cardi's bat projection system that he spent he did five plus years on, seven years on with multiple SQL queries and yeah, sure, yeah, you're not going to build that from nothing, right? That, then that's why he sells that. Someone asked if they could buy my MMA model. I'll buy it from you. You send me, you send me the link or whatever. I have to buy it, dude. You can make it. You can make it in ten minutes. What am I supposed to do, Charlie? That seems like, like completely predatory. We'll share the link and it'll be a uh, you know, hundred dollars. Well, number one, I don't want to give you my exact rating because then you'll just you'll make the same literally the literal same exact lineups as me, or at least more propensity to. The numbers will be exactly the same. And number two, like you could make it in 10 minutes. So do it. But that's the, but that's that's the whole thing about that. Like, do I have a model for baseball? No, I use Cardi's model. Football, Card, you know, RG and Cardi. Basketball, I RG, RG's basketball projections are great. Can I build a model? Yes, I can. I can build all of these types of models. I can. It just takes me. It'll take me God knows how. I'm not, I'm not great in Excel. I'm not great. I don't know R. I can probably teach myself Python in about a month. So I do have some web development, you know, kind of scripting and coding experience. But is it worth it to just not just, okay, is it, am I going to build one better than Cardi for baseball? No, I don't think I can. So why not just pay him 300 bucks? That's what he's charging. And they are done. And I would say the same thing. If my MMA model was that complicated, and then no, then, then I'd, I'd agree with you. I'd be like, okay, I'd make 50 bucks. There you go. You know, like whatever it is, because then it would be worth it. But when he could do it in 10 minutes, just do it. Right? Just do it. Then it's worth your time. I build an MMM, MLB model. It's going to take just to build out just the bare basics. Is going to t- probably take me three three weeks of three to four weeks of full time work, where I'm working eight hours a day, just to get the basics, and then have to do everything. It'd be ridiculous. So then it's worth paying three hundred bucks for. If you could do it in ten minutes. Then what, what the hell are you paying for? Go do it. I showed you. It's not like I didn't. Show, it's not like I just. I showed the, the Excel and just say, here are the ratings. I'm not going to tell you how I got there. You know, what's the point of that? There's no concept. There's no game. I'm not just teaching you anything. I'm just saying that, oh, if you just had my numbers, you'd win. It's like, no, you can, I'm literally doing what I do in any other sport. Taking a look and is this, does this, does this player, does this team, does this lineup have a higher probability of success than their ownership? And that's it. That's it. That's all. That's what it is in every sport. 
MMA is just easier to see because there's only there's not much to look at. And the betting lines are so much more obvious. Baseball, you don't, well, if this guy hits a home run, then that, that team could win more often than not. You did the, the correlation coefficients of those, those types of bets are, are low. But you could still, you could build a model based on them if you want. But there's just a lot more, a lot, a lot more, a lot more betting lines to go by. Right, Yao Pete. I literally have built a set spreadsheet in the last 15 minutes. Right, it's not complicated. It's not, it's really not. And you don't need to be an Excel wizard because I'm not. I consider myself an Excel intermediate, right? I can do most things. It's just that I do them very inefficiently, probably, right? Like I built, I built a little simulation thing in, in Excel once. And like, it'll take, it, it, it takes like 20 minutes to do a hundred of them. Like that, you can't, like, you can't live like that, right? Like, how do I do it more efficient? I, I, I got to learn, I got to learn the other stuff. So it, it becomes useless. So it's like, I understand how it could get done. It just, I'm not good at it. But for the, the, the MMA one that I showed in that video, dude, could do that in 10 minutes. It's, it's that, I barely want to call it a model. It's not a model. It's not, it's not trying, it's not, Building a range of outcomes of, of DFS scores. It's not, it's not projecting anything. There's no projection involved whatsoever. It's not trying to project anything. All it, all it is is trying to come up with a number to determine how much leverage an entire lineup has. That's, that's the main thing. So based on the odds versus the ownership, what fighters are over-owned or under-owned, and that, now that allows me to prioritize higher rated fighters in lineups. So I build lineups that have guys that are more over-owned with guys that are under-owned, right? Like, right, like Luke in that lineup that I won with. Like he was over, he was way over-owned. But in that lineup, he got between Cop and Gatto with all the, the other players, Penne, Cop, and Gatto were so under-owned that Luke was fine in that lineup. It had enough leverage because the rating, that number for those fighters were higher. So Luke was able to get into those lineups. So that's all, that's all that it's doing. It's not projecting anything. Okay. Anthony Golding, you're playing any DFL preseason DFS now? No, and I don't, what, who's going to play when? What, I'll, I'll wait till week one. Because we'll have what twelve games late with all preseason games and quarterbacks playing one half and running backs playing one quarter. I, it's too much of a headache. Too much of a headache for me. Good luck. Good luck playing. There is an edge if you want. If you you want to spend the time on it, there there is an edge. But it really comes down to how much is your time worth. I'm going to be in the soccer's back, so I'm going to be playing soccer on Saturdays and Sundays. Still got baseball. MMA is taking a week off. I mean, I still got stuff to play. So I don't need to play NFL preseason. Okay. Give me some thummy thumbs on your way out the door. Thummy thumbs, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways, whatever. Hit the subscribe button. If you're new here, you like the show, this, this is what we do. We barely, we did we pretty much didn't talk about today's slate. We talked about what the Brewers 70 game, but it's, it, it's all really guided by YouTube, right? By you people. So you get to come here. Anytime you want, right? In the morning, 
ask you questions. We review some stuff. We go over some, some strategy. Sometimes we talk more about the, the day slate. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we talk more about yesterday's slate. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we talk about golf or MMA or something else or who knows. Or we show you some lineup HQ stuff. We, it's all really guided by you. Because that's because that's what I do here. Mondays through Fridays at 11 o'clock Eastern for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.